Let's get it rolling on the Big 12 football power rankings for Week 7. I'm Pete Mundo on HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Welcome in as we uh, do this every single week. We take you from worst to first in the Big 12 when it comes to the power rankings around the league. Thanks for joining us, YouTube, Facebook Live, on the podcast. You know what to do, but I got to remind you anyway because that's how it works. Thumbs up on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, and of course, Hit that five-star rating on iTunes and leave us a nice review as well, if you could. No need for the one-stars. Keep those to yourselves, all right? So let's start with number 14 on the Big 12 football power rankings. And remember how we do this. This is not about who we think would win games on a neutral site. This is not about who I believe might be the best Big 12 team. This is based on what you've done and who you've beaten and nothing more. That's how we do it. So coming in last place, 14th in the Big 12 football power rankings this week, the Houston Cougars. They were 14 last week. They didn't play a game. Therefore, they stay at number 14. But, of course, great week coming up. West Virginia, Dana Holgerson, is going to be taking on his former team there for Houston. So that is going to be a lot of fun. But for now, Houston stays at number 14 in the power rankings. At number 13, UCF. The Knights gave up 400 rushing yards to Kansas. And what makes that worse is Jalen Daniels wasn't playing. UCF had to stop the run and force Jason Bean to beat him through the air, and they couldn't do it. Devin Neal, Daniel Hyshaw went off, 399 rushing yards, and UCF, after a colossal, colossal collapse last week against Baylor, losing the K-State the week before that, And now uh, this bad loss to KU, UCF comes in at number 13. Next up in the power rankings, Baylor at number 12. Uh, They fall from number 9. Baylor's played four good quarters this year. Three against Utah and one against UCF. That's it. That's all Baylor has done. And frankly, I think they look like one of the worst teams of the Big 12. And if they had not done what they did in comeback fashion against UCF, Baylor might be sitting at number 14 right now. But because of the comeback, you got to rank them ahead of UCF. They come in at number 12. At number 11, also uh, dropping rapidly, TCU. They continue to disappoint. Second straight Big 12 loss, in large part thanks to a lifeless second half. It was in many ways a mirror image of last week against West Virginia. This team is not doing anything. In the third quarter, I think they got a combined like 10 yards in the third quarter the last couple of weeks. It's been that bad. Uh, They are not making the adjustments that other teams seem to be making. So TCU comes in at number 11, falling from number seven. At number 10, I've got Cincinnati. They're coming off the bye week after losing at BYU last week. Of course, we know they lost to Oklahoma, but suddenly that Oklahoma loss, not that it was a good loss, but they were in that game pretty late. And with what OU did on Saturday, okay, Cincinnati, let's see what you got. Now, they host an Iowa State team that is getting sneaky, sneaky better. I know the second half was bad against OU. But Iowa State came on strong over the weekend. A lot of underclassmen are starting to get comfortable. We'll get to that. But uh, it's going to be a very good game, a very important game for both these programs on Saturday, Cincinnati and um Iowa State. So Cincinnati's at number 10. They stay there after the bye. At number nine, plummeting. 
the Kansas State Wildcats. I had them at four last week. Now, do I think that Kansas State's going to finish ninth in the Big 12? I don't. But when you lose to an Oklahoma State team that was reeling, I mean, they were calling for Gundy's job in Stillwater. And I don't think Oklahoma State's very good. Will Howard appears to have regressed from last season. It's disappointing to watch, to be totally honest. And he was terrible against Oklahoma State. And the secondary continues to get carved up. This time it was Alan Bowman. I mean, the guy couldn't beat out Gunnar Gundy and Wrangle for the starting job. And now Alan Bowman gets the gig finally. And he's looking like, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes out there. Brandon Whedon at times. It's like, no, 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 no. This is not who this guy is. Kansas State, though, um, falls once again as they are now number nine in the power rankings this week. That was a brutal loss for the Wildcats, so they've got to get things back on track. I mean, if you're a K-State fan, you have got to be just licking your wounds, wondering what the heck happened in that game. It was terrible for Kansas State, so they are plummeting down the number nine. So who's at number eight? Well, Oklahoma State. They beat them. They deserve to be above them right now. Until proven otherwise, I didn't see this coming. Oklahoma State was a double-digit dog going into that blackout game on Friday night, and they rolled the Wildcats in a classic Mike Gundy game. I mean, that has Mike Gundy written all over it. You're counting them out. No one thinks he can do anything. No one thinks he can win the game. And with his defense and his running game led by Ollie Gordon uh, and Alan Bowen doing what needed to be done, they get a win in unpredictable fashion, Friday night in Stillwater. So go figure, Oklahoma State's at number eight. I still don't think they're any good, but frankly, I could say that about a lot of Big 12 teams right now. But the, the Pokes are at number eight. At number seven in the power rankings, the Texas Tech Red Raiders. They are up from eight after going to Waco and stomping on the Baylor Bears. It's got to feel good, Tech fans. First off, you needed that one. You got to try to get this season back on track. That was critical. If you lost that game, sayonara, see you later, season's over. But didn't happen. You're still in the mix, obviously. You're starting to look better. And Joey McGuire goes into Waco, where, of course, he was an assistant coach for several years, and he just dominated Baylor. Dominated him. So uh, Tech's defense continues to improve. Now, I do question, as I noted, Baylor's offensive line. But if you're a Tech fan, don't apologize. Take it. Run with it. And I've got them up to number seven on the power rankings this week for Texas Tech. A big jump this week for the Iowa State Cyclones. Maybe you think it's too big a jump, but Iowa State's loss to Oklahoma doesn't look nearly as bad. And, I mean, they owned TCU. Now, I know this is not the TCU team that played for a national title last year, but, heck, it's still TCU. I think TCU's going to be a pretty darn good team. And Iowa State didn't just win that game. They dominated that game. They took complete control of that game, and it was darn impressive to watch. And they did it with underclassmen leading the way on both sides of the ball. And if you're an Iowa State fan, that's the game. That's the performance that gives you optimism going forward. And I know we don't like to talk about, or not we, but I know some Iowa State fans don't like to talk about it. But it's like, can we just also look at this team and say, hey, they are right now 2-1 and in Big 12 play? Can we sit here and just talk about that? They beat Oklahoma State. Yes, a bad loss to OU. They beat TCU. 
The Ohio loss was a fluke because of the food poisoning that they were dealing with that week. But, you know, this team is sitting there at 2-1 and one in Big 12 play. They're 3-3 three and three overall. They probably should be 4-2 uh, and two right now. And no one's talking about Matt Campbell and the way some people want to talk about him if they're sitting there at 4-2 and two with a bunch of underclassmen leading the way at a developmental program. Let's not forget that about Iowa State here. Sheesh. So I've got Iowa State at number six. Moving up from uh, six to five this week, they didn't play but BYU. They get a bump after what happened above them in week six. That's really what this is about. So BYU gets a bump, but BYU has got to beat TCU this week. TCU is a reeling team right now, and frankly, the new four need this. None of the new four schools have beaten a Big 12 school, a, a, you know, an old Big 12 school, whatever you want to call it. The only one that has a win right now is BYU. That's it. They're the only ones. And when you look at it, and by the way, the BYU win is over one of the other ones, Cincinnati. So it is um, not looking good right now for those new four. And having BYU go on the road and beat TCU, I mean, that would be pretty impressive. But combined, uh, these teams are really struggling. They're 1-8 between the, th- uh, the four of them. So BYU goes to TCU, gets some win. That puts some respect, at least on the Cougars' name, if nothing else. At number four in the power rankings, the Kansas Jayhawks, up from number five last week, 29-point blowout win over UCF. They do it without Jalen Daniels. Now, this team can play for a Big 12 title, potentially, with Jalen Daniels. With Jason Bean, they can't. No chance. I, I don't care what Lance Leipold says. I don't care what the biggest fanboy in Lawrence tells you. This team is not going to be in a position to play for a Big 12 championship unless Jalen Daniels gets that back situation figured out. There's no other way for it possibly to happen outside of getting Jalen Daniels back healthy consistently and not this week-to-week, how's Jalen feel when he wakes up on a Saturday morning? Because that's kind of where we're at right now. And that's frankly too bad. But I've got KU at uh, number four. At number three, West Virginia. They were three last week. They had a bye. I see no reason to move them off a three right now. So the Mountaineers stay in steady at number three. There are only two undefeated teams in the Big 12 in conference play. And West Virginia is one of them. If I told you we would be sitting here on October 9th and there would be two undefeated teams in conference play, and I told you one of them was the Mountaineers, you would laugh me out of this show. And by the way, you'd have a right to. But that's why you play the games, right? As Herm Edwards famously said, that's why you play the games. And here we are, October 9th, and uh, you know, you've got, or what, first half of October, and you've got West Virginia, as one of only two undefeated Big 12 teams in conference play. You cannot predict the sport of college football. It is, for the most part, in large part, especially the Big 12, very difficult to do. Uh, At number two, the Texas Longhorns. They fall out of the number one spot after losing to Oklahoma. Uh, I mean, where do you start? First and goal, stop four times, including at the one-yard line. Ouch. Now, Texas can still achieve its goal of winning out and making the college football playoff. They've beaten Alabama. 
that is worth something clearly. And that's going to go a long way for them. If they went out and they beat OU in a rematch of the Big 12 title game or whoever, they will be in the playoff and they should be in the playoff. The non-conference matters. So Texas at number two in the power rankings this week. And last but not least, at number one, a new number one, the Oklahoma Sooners up from number two. There was never a doubt, right? OU beating Texas in the Red River rivalry. And the Sooners come in at number one in the power rankings this week. Hey, I know OU fans want to rag on me and say, we told you, we told you, we told you. And I said about Oklahoma all season long, I think they're really good. I just want to see better competition. That's what I want to see. Better competition. And we finally got significantly better competition. And they beat Texas in an incredible game. And it was an all-time Red River shootout on Saturday. So OU takes the cake at number one. And Dylan Gabriel is flying up the Heisman odds ranking charts all over Vegas. So well-deserved. Those are your Big 12 power rankings this week here on Heartland College Sports. I'm Pete Mundo. Travis says, I need to put money on Pete turning two signs right side up. It's the only way I'm going to cry myself to sleep when it happens. (laughs) I did say, for those of you who watch on YouTube, that I have right now a horns down sign and the Oklahoma sign both flipped upside down. Just a little fun. But if they end up playing each other in a Big 12 title game, I, yes, will end up flipping those signs right side up out of respect. And I do have respect, but you guys know, I got to have a little bit of fun here. I got to tweak a little bit here. You know that, right? So, uh, gosh, um, Good stuff here. Thanks for joining us. If you're on YouTube, thumbs up if you would on the video, by the way. And um, also hit that subscribe button on the channel. Follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. Share the video on Facebook. And also, uh, don't be afraid on the podcast. Leave that five-star rating and review. We've got the Heartland College Sports Koozie coming your way when you send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. So here on Heartland College Sports, I'm Pete Mundo. I want to address what's going on with Gonzaga. There was a new report from Brett McMurphy that came down on Monday that says the Big 12 is seriously interested in adding Gonzaga and is seriously considering adding Gonzaga. Let me just say this. Count me out. I want no part of Gonzaga. You know, I looked this up. Spokane, Washington is 770 miles away from Provo, Utah, which is what? Probably the closest school they're going to have in the Big 12. That's almost the same length as Lawrence, Kansas to Morgantown, West Virginia. It's off a little bit, but it's, it's, it's in the similar ballpark. Now, I know that we don't care about travel anymore. Hell, Stanford's going to be in the ACC, right? So we don't care about that. It's all meaningless. Geography has no purpose. But if you're going to do that, if you're going to throw geography out the window, it better be for a darn good reason. And I don't think Gonzaga is a darn good reason. I don't. What is Gonzaga basketball without Mark Few? Can somebody tell me? What happens if Mark Few decides tomorrow that he wins the Powerball that's $1.5 billion. 
Not that Mark Few needs any more money. I mean, the guy's doing fine. But if Mark Few hits the Powerball, and he's like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to buy an island or something. I'm out. What is Gonzaga basketball? I don't think it's much. Do you? I mean, yeah, it's had a nice run under Mark Few. Is it an all-time program? Is it a program that is guarantees to sustain itself for the foreseeable future? I don't think it is. I have never been a proponent of the Big 12 seriously looking at Gonzaga. Now, I get why Brett Yormark is doing it. I completely understand why Brett Yormark says to himself, you know what? We can't compete with the SEC in basketball or in football, but if we can create the super conference of basketball, then you know what? Let's do it. And let's build up our basketball clientele, so to speak. And then we've got more negotiating chips when we go to market around 2030 with our next contract. And we can split football from basketball and we're off to the races. I get it. But Gonzaga is not that program. By the way, how old is Mark Few going to be then? 67 years old. Mark Few is 60 right now. Do we think that Mark Few is going to be Jim Bayham doing this till he's 80? I don't know, but I'm not going to mortgage my future on hoping Mark Few wants to coach basketball at Gonzaga for the next 10 years. I don't want to do that because I don't know what Gonzaga is if Mark Few leaves. I also don't know what Gonzaga is in a major power conference. How many times does Gonzaga soil itself in March Madness when they play real competition and they're not fluffing it up in the West Coast Conference all day? I mean, they have been ripe to get picked off as, frankly, an overrated seed. Those are facts. Never mind, you put them in the Big 12. Here's what Gonzaga does in the Big 12. Gonzaga comes to the Big 12, and Gonzaga, I'd say there's 18 conference games. Gonzaga goes somewhere between 12 and 6 and 8 and 10 every year. And they're okay, and maybe they get to March Madness. But here's the other thing. In the Big 12, they are not a 1-2-3 seed, right? Because the Big 12 is so, so much deeper that suddenly then Gonzaga is looking at a 5, 6, 7, 8 seed playing game. Who knows? And then Gonzaga's not Gonzaga. I hate to sound ridiculous when I say that, but it's true. Gonzaga is not Gonzaga in the Big 12. That's it. End of conversation. And without Mark Few, I am in no way convinced Gonzaga could even maintain what Gonzaga has become. So I don't get this for the life of me. I don't understand it. I think Brett Yormark has done incredible things for this conference. I think he is the commissioner that this league needed at the absolute perfect time. But when I saw this report from Brett McMurphy that Yormark's continuing to push Gonzaga and the presidents are at least open to continuing the conversation, I'm like, why? Why, why are we doing this? Uh, Seth Davis also had it, by the way. Seth Davis had it first. I want to give him credit where it's due. Uh, that he said, your mark presented his case at last week's Big 12 meetings in Dallas. He encountered some skepticism, particularly at the timing, but he received permission from the presidents to continue those negotiations. The Big 12 is bringing in Houston and Arizona in basketball for next season, or, you know, Houston this year, Arizona for next year. 
And obviously this would have um, and make the Big 12 the best basketball conference in the country, bar none. But do you really need Gonzaga? And then, by the way, they'd also potentially join for baseball, women's soccer, volleyball, men's and women's tennis. Does that make a lot of sense to you? Geez, I can't wait for Oklahoma State to ship its men and women's tennis team 1,200 miles to the Pacific Northwest for Gonzaga. Once again, for Oregon? For Washington? Sure, let's have the conversation. To add Gonzaga, a basketball-only school that will no longer have the chops or have the, you know, um, the, the, the aura of what Gonzaga basketball has become in the Big 12? No thanks. No thanks. Count me out. I don't get it. All right, so I, yeah, uh, what do we have here? Travis writes, we need to pump the brakes on adding teams for a little bit. I, I'm with you there, man. I mean, I don't want to do what the ACC did. That seemed like it was total desperation, to be totally honest. Um, you know, and SMU, like, taking less money. I don't care if Gonzaga takes less money. I don't see the benefit right now. I don't. I, I, I don't like where any of this is trending. Scott says, add Colorado State and Air Force. Honestly, I'd be much more into Colorado State than I would Gonzaga. And I, I know Colorado State doesn't have some staple program, but I'm just reading the tea leaves and trying to figure out where the value is and what states I want to be in. And right now, um, Colorado State has more appeal. I'm not saying it has a lot of appeal, but in some respects, at least they got a football program they could maybe build up. That's not the case when it comes to Gonzaga at all. Unbelievable. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, our boy Donald's back with the Texas Tech women's soccer update. They're undefeated in the Big 12, Donnie. Okay. Congratulations, my man. Maybe they can go play Gonzaga in a tournament next year. That'll be a, geez, wouldn't miss that. Uh, those tickets are going to be flying off the shelves at StubHub. I'll tell you that right now. Absolutely outstanding. <laughs> oh, boy. Pete, what about Oregon State and um, Washington State? Well, hey, if Brett Yormark insists on expanding, yeah, I'm far more interested in Washington State and Oregon State than I am in Gonzaga, a basketball-only school that brings nothing to the table and is you know, a Mark Few decision away from, I don't want to say being irrelevant, but certainly not being Gonzaga, the whole point of adding them. So I, count me out on that. No way, no how. Uh, what else do we have here on the text line or on uh, YouTube? Pete, I'm feeling good about Texas Tech the rest of the season. I, you know, uh, they're certainly looking better. I'll give you that much right now. But when you look at Texas Tech, you got to say to yourself, okay, this K-State game is crucial. The loser of this K-State-Texas Tech game can officially qualify their season as a disappointment, Right. Uh, these are the two teams I had playing for a Big 12 title, by the way. And if one of them loses, who I mean, not if, but when one of them loses, uh, that team's season is officially going to be a disappointment. K-State's right now 3-2. and two. If they fall to 3-3, three and three, forget it. If Texas Tech falls to 3-4 and four with a loss, forget it. Uh, one of these two teams is going to come out very disappointed 
in how this 2023 season goes, especially based on what the expectations were coming into it. So uh, there is a heck of a lot to watch. It is going to be a great, great week seven, by the way, in the Big 12 Conference. Cannot wait for that. I'm Pete Mundo on heartlandcollegesports.com. It's great to have you on board here on the show as uh, we roll through the top storylines of the week. And Gonzaga, of course, taking the cake when it comes to off-the-field stuff. So we'll keep an eye on that. If you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Of course, give us a thumbs up on the video before you head out. That's a great way to help this show continue to grow. And that's because of you adding hundreds of subscribers every single week at Heartland College Sports. So thank you. And last but not least, grab one of those koozies, baby. The Heartland College Sports koozie. Leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. We so appreciate you guys. Thank you for being a part of the show. And we'll talk to you soon on Heartland College Sports. Take care. See you later.